coming up to Mark chapter 16. We have been doing, uh, we really, I, I had every intention of starting a series on prayer. And actually, uh, after I've got to looking at this and started doing it, I guess we could say that we have started our series on prayer, but we just started it uh, looking at the name of Jesus. And because as I started studying prayer, I realized that, uh, that way too often and in too many people's lives, that we have lost, in, in this day and time especially, we have lost the power of the name of Jesus. We, we don't really understand what's behind that name. You know, and, and I've said this every, every week but th- that we've looked at this, but, you know, we use the name of Jesus. We pray prayers, and we say in the name of Jesus, and we end our prayers that way. Uh, a lot of us, you know, will, will say the name of Jesus and, and for different things. But, you know, but the question is, do we really, do we really have an understanding of what that name entails? You know, uh, this is a, a story that I'm sure all of you have heard, but, but I think it bears repeating here. I read this this week. Charles Spurgeon uh, was, a, was a great uh, minister in, in, in England and, and ministered around the world, really. But, and, and he's known for a lot of his writings and stuff. But, but he writes this story, and, and he said that, I mean, you know, in his own writings, he said that this is a true story. So... We're going to believe that it is a true story, and uh, but so he has he tells this story about uh, he tells this story about uh, uh, about a, a woman that was you know a lot of times he would go visit uh, like sick people and and he he was he had so many other ministers and stuff that he didn't go himself a lot of times but this one particular lady asked him to come to come to her house because. You know, she was getting ready to die, and she wanted to see the pastor, not an associate. She wanted to see the main pastor. So, so, uh, so you know, so she, uh, so, so Spurgeon goes to this lady's house, and, and this lady just lived in a little rundown shack, and she didn't have very much at all. And really, the truth be told, she really was dying from malnutrition. She, she didn't have enough to eat. Uh, you know, she didn't have money to buy food. And, and really, you know, that was really the cause of her death. She was, in, you know, she was getting on up there in age, but, but her health was good otherwise, other than the fact she just didn't have enough to eat. And so she was dying from malnutrition. And she was just in her last few days. So Spurgeon went to her house and was, and was going to pray with her. And, and he looked on the wall and he saw this, this plaque or this, this uh, you know, uh, picture frame that had this piece of paper in it. And he looked at it, and he, and he asked her, he said, where did you get that? And she says, oh, she said, I, she said, I was a, uh, a maid to this, to this very uh, wealthy person here in England, and I served them for like 50 years. And the day that she died, she called me into her bedroom, and she gave me this piece of paper. And, and she said she signed it right in front of me, and, and she said, and it just means so much to me. And she said, so I got it framed and put it up on my wall. And, and Spurgeon asked her, he said, he said, do you know what that piece of paper says? And she says, well, he, she said, no, sir, I don't. She said, I've, I've, never, I've never learned to read. And he says, well, do you mind if I take this paper with me and get it examined? And he said, I promise you I'll bring it back, you know. And she says, oh, yeah. She said, I trust you, Pastor. She said, take it. And, you know, she said, but make sure you bring it back. She said, because that, you know, she said, I look at that every day and I think of this woman and I loved her so much. So he took it to, he took it to the local bank. And sure enough, they said, they said, we've been looking for this for like 10 years. We didn't know where it went. And come to find out that this lady had served this woman for all these years. She wrote a, uh, like a, a in, her, in her will, she put, she put this document, and she gave this woman a new house 
and all of this money, a bank account that had all this money in it to take care of her the rest of her life. But she never learned how to read, so she did not know what she had hanging on the wall there. And here she was dying from malnutrition, living in a little one-room shack, and, and, you know, and was in the last days of her life. And, you know, so, so, so Spurgeon, you know, I mean, it was too late by then because, because the lady died just real shortly after that. But the point I'm wanting to get, get across is this. She did not have to die for malnutrition because she had a bank account and a huge house that was hers. It was in her name. But she, she did not know what she had. And I, I really and truly believe that a lot of people, that's, that's the way a lot of people are with this book. We have this book and we're proud of it. We, we display it on the coffee tables, wipe the dust off of it sometimes when neighbors are coming over or friends are coming over, right, if, if, if you don't read it a lot. You know, we keep it in our car, we bring it to church on Sundays, and we do all of this. But how many of us really and truly know what is in this book? And see, and that is what I believe, that's where we are with the name of Jesus, I think. All of us know that we can use the name of Jesus. We all have that knowledge and that understanding that Jesus said that we could use his name. But do we really understand what the name of Jesus is and what and the power behind that name? So that is kind of so as I as I was praying about, you know, starting the series on prayer, I really felt like we needed to to nail this down first to understand the power behind the name of Jesus. And why, when you pray and you call on the name of Jesus, there's power behind it, and you should expect things to happen. When you, when you say, in the name of Jesus, amen, it shouldn't be, well, boy, I sure hope that comes true. You know, I sure hope that, I, I hope God heard my, no, listen, when you, if you understand the power behind the name of Jesus, and hopefully by the next few weeks and, and the past few weeks that we've talked about this, you, you'll, you'll have a little bit better understanding of that. You know, you, you will understand that when you call on the name of Jesus, there is power there. And there is authority, and you have the right to do that. So let's, I, I'm going to re- go back over just a couple scriptures that we've looked at that we've used as our, uh, as our base scriptures here. Mark chapter 16, Mark chapter 16, verse number 15. This is what we call the Great Commission. This, this was some of the last words that Jesus gave his, uh, his disciples as he was going back to heaven, and he said this, Mark 16, verse 15, says, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these, fi- these signs will follow those who believe. Now notice he did not say these signs will follow the fivefold ministry. He didn't say these, these signs will follow the pastors and the, the evangelists and the, the, you know, the missionaries. That, he said these signs will follow those who believe. So these, these things that he's getting ready to say are things that every believer should see happening in their life. And you have the power and the, the right and the authority to see these things happening in your life. So he said this. He says, uh, he says and these things will follow those who believe. In my name, now remember, this is Jesus talking. He said, in my name, they, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So all of those, those five things there, he told them, and he said, if, he said, if you will do those in my name, these things will happen. He didn't say that they might. 
that it was a good idea. Excuse me. He said, Jesus said, those who believe, these are the signs that will follow them. So I just want you to see that, that Jesus said, in my name, these things will happen. Now turn over to uh, John. Turn over to John 14. Now we've already looked at these and, and talked about these in the, in the prior weeks. If you, if you weren't with us, you can, you can download them off the Internet, listen to them on the Internet, or um, go back to our Facebook page. They're on there and, and listen to them, or you can get a CD you know, any way you like to, like to listen to them. But in John chapter 14, Jesus said this, and he's talking once again to his disciples here. And these are the words of Jesus talking to his disciples. And Jesus said this. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Now, there it is again. The believer. If you are a believer, if you believe in Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, what he's getting ready to say is for you. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. And now listen to the next two verses. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, let me, let me just ask this question. You know, we, we said we're believers. I mean, well, I don't know that I asked you that. How many believers do we have? I, I may have asked you that or not. If you're a believer, listen, those things he just said are true statements. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you believe that Jesus would lie? He would never lie to us, would he? Because he speaks the truth, right? Jesus always speaks the truth. So if he speaks the truth, then what he just said is a very powerful statement. Jesus said, if whatever you ask him in his name, he will do it. Amen. I mean, man, that's powerful, isn't it? Now, you might think, well, that's just, you know, that's just one scripture. Well, turn to John 16. Because Jesus says, now, and notice he didn't really say, a lot of people use that, that scripture there for prayer, but, but, you know, we saw in Acts chapter 3 with the man at the gate, beautiful, we're going to look at that story a little bit more today, but in, in Acts chapter 3, um, in Acts chapter 3, G, Peter and John were walking by the, the gate beautiful, and, and, he, and Peter made this statement. He says, he says, silver and gold have I not, but as, he says, such as I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So Peter understood that he had something. And that something that he had was the right and the authority to use the name of Jesus. And when he used the name of Jesus, he didn't pray, he just spoke. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. And he grabbed that guy's hand and jerked him up, and the Bible says that he was totally healed. He had been lame from his mother's womb. Never walked a day in his life. And when Peter, when Peter said, such as I have, I give you, he picked him up and walked, and his knees and legs and ankle bones became strong, and he started walking. It says he started jumping and leaping and praising God. Because Peter knew what he had. He had the name of Jesus. He had the authority to use the name of Jesus. Here in John chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said this, he says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. In that day, the day that he was talking about is today. He was talking, Jesus was talking about the, day, the days that would be when Jesus would be gone, when he would no longer be on the earth with, with, you know, in a physical body. He said, In that day, you know, when I'm gone, 
because he was talking to him about, you know, the fact that he was getting ready to leave and getting ready to die. John 14, 15, 16, that whole, those whole uh, two or three chapters there are all about him preparing his disciples that he's getting ready to leave. And so here he says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Up until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So this here, he, Jesus tells us this, that when we pray to the Father, when we ask the Father in, in Jesus' name, that the Father will give it to us. So when we, talk to, when we say the name of Jesus, Jesus said, whatever you, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. And then he said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, the Father will give it to you. Man, that's two powerful scriptures. And once again, Jesus would never lie to us or, or give us a scripture that would, that would you know, lead us on to make us believe that we could do something that we couldn't. He said, he said the same works that I do, you're going to do. Why? Because we have the same Holy Spirit as He does. Amen? So, so you know, now we've looked at these scriptures. We've already looked at them and, and talked a lot about these. Last week, we, we went over why or where did the greatness, why, why is there power in the name of Jesus? And the three points I gave you last week, and I, I'm not going to go over them in detail, but I'll give them to you again, was this. Number one, He inherited His name. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, that Jesus inherited his name. You understand that there's only like one time, I believe, in the Gospels that, uh, that we see the disciples using the name of Jesus for ministry. And that was when Jesus sent the 70 out, and he sent the 70 out, and when, when that report came back, their report came back, and they said this. They said, even the demons obey us in your name. But every other time, no other time did, in other words, the, the, you know, Peter, James, and John, and these guys didn't go, didn't go around saying, in the name of Jesus. They didn't do that until after Jesus had been crucified and rose again. Because that is when he inherited his name. He inherited his name when he fulfilled, when he fulfilled the, the, the plan that God had, had for him to do here on the earth. So Jesus inherited his name. God gave him, inherited that name. The second one was this, that God gave him his name. So not only did he inherit it, but the Bible also tells us that God gave him the name that's above every name. There's no other name, the Bible tells us, and we'll see that scripture in a little bit, I believe, there's no other name given where man must be saved other than Jesus. In other words, there's only one way to get to God. Your good works won't do it. Your money won't do it. Who you know won't do it. The only way you're going to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. Amen. And he's the only name. So, so he inherited his name. God gave him his name. And then the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he died on the cross, that, he, that Jesus literally went to hell and defeated Satan in the depths of hell. So... And, and now listen, I know that's a controversy. Sometimes people don't believe that. They don't think that Jesus actually did that. But if Jesus didn't do that, then you and I still have, have a price we have to pay. I mean, you know, because Jesus went to hell in our place and took our punishment and our pain so we wouldn't have to. Jesus went to hell and, and the Bible says that he came out of hell. It says that he, that he came out with the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Hallelujah. And it says that, that he'll, never, he'll never have to be separated again. You and I never have to be separated from God. 
because of the price that Jesus paid. Amen? So, so he inherited the name. God gave him his name, and he got it by conquest. And we finished last week talking about how that, uh, you know, it's kind of like the power of, etern- uh, power of attorney. When, when, so, when, you, when you take over for somebody or maybe, maybe your parents are getting elderly or something and they want you to help pay the bills and different things, they can get what's called a power of attorney and it gives you the right to sign their name and it's just as if they signed it. That when you have the power of attorney, when you sign that name, when you sign their name, it's just like they signed it. God has given us the power of attorney to use the name of Jesus. When we use the name of Jesus, it's just as if Jesus was standing right there in front of you. Man, that's powerful. That's good news. Amen? So, let's look at this. Let's, let's look at Acts chapter 3. And I want to go over this story again. And this morning, I want to talk about having faith in the name of Jesus. Having faith in the name of Jesus. And you can't have faith in the name if you don't know what the name represents. Or you don't know what the name what's behind the name. So, so hopefully, you know, we've laid out a good, a good outline for you the last couple of weeks that you've seen what the name of Jesus, what's behind the name, and why there's power in the name of Jesus. So now it's interesting because when you get to the book of Acts, and we're going to look at five or six scriptures here in the book of Acts today, and we're going to see how they use the name of Jesus. First of all, we're going to notice that, that they preached about the name of Jesus throughout the book of Acts. It's that, you know, many times we wonder, I wonder what they preached. You know, they preached that, that the kingdom of God was here, but they also preached about the name of Jesus. And we're going to see that like in three different uh, locations in the, throughout the book of Acts. And, and another thing you find in the book of Acts is that, that they believed and they understood that there was power in his name. Right? And here in Acts chapter 3, this is a perfect example. So, so let's just read this, verse, starting with verse 1. And then we'll skip down a, a few verses. But starting at verse 1, just so you can get the picture here and understand this. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. That's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, went, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So the lame man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. So then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walking, entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Hallelujah. What a story. Amen. What, what, a, what a wonderful thing that Peter said this. And I want you to notice this. Peter said, he said, such as I have, I give you. And he, and he simply reached down and said, in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. So, so let me just ask this question. We have to ask this question. What was it that Peter had? What was it that he had? Peter said, such as I have, I give you. What Peter had and what he understood that he had was this. He understood that he had power and authority to use the name of Jesus. What did he give him? What, I mean, what was it that he gave him? 
he gave him healing. Right? I mean, because when he reached down and grabbed him, I mean, and, and the transfer was made, when he jerked him up, what happened? His legs and his feet became strong, and for the first time in this man's life, he walked. So what he had, what, what Peter had, was the power to heal. Now, where did he get the power to heal? Was Peter special? Did, you know, because later on, the Bible says that even, the, even Peter's shadow touched people and they were healed. So was Peter an anomaly? Was he, was he something special that, that we could say, oh, well, that was Peter? Or was it something that Peter had that you and I have? Because if it's something that you and I have, then that means then that means that you and I have the right and the power and the authority to use the name just like Peter did. So now let's look and see what, because, because people started questioning. People started, people started bragging on Peter and started calling them gods and started saying, you're something special and, you know, we need to exalt you and we need to praise you. And I want you to see what Peter told them. So let's go on down to uh, verse 11. Verse 11, it said this, it said that, uh, and now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, and here's what Peter said. He said, he said, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? So in other words, Peter said, why do you think, you know, don't, why are you looking at me like I'm something special? He says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up. And now remember, this was not long after the, the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection, probably just a, a, probably within, a, within a year or two. And he says that, uh, you know, he says, uh, God raised up, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the Just One, and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are all witnesses. But now notice in verse 16. Here's, here's, where, here's how Peter said this miracle happened. Verse 16 says this, And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. So did Peter, did Peter say that, that it was because of who he was? Or did he say that it was because they had faith in the name of Jesus? They said that because they had faith in the name of Jesus, this man is leaping and running and walking around. Could you imagine what that guy was doing? You know what I mean? I'm sure he couldn't stand still. He was jumping up and down and running and and couldn't believe for the first time in his life he was walking. Peter said, he said, because of the name of Jesus and faith in that name, this man that you see here is walking. So that means, now listen, you know, sometimes we read stories like this and we read over them and we miss, we totally miss this. But this means that the very same power that Peter had, the, the, the knowledge of what Peter had, when Peter said, such as I have, I give you, that very same power is living on the inside of you. Because every believer, now listen to this very closely, every believer has the power to use the name of Jesus. You don't have to be special. You don't have to have went to Bible school. You don't have to have, 
have been, you know, the most educated or have the most money or, or have a position in the church. The Bible tells us those who believe, as long as you are a believer, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you believe He's your Savior, that He died and rose for you, and, and that, that you believe in Him and you've asked Him to be your Savior, then you have the power and the authority to use His name. Glory to God. So Peter said, His name through faith in His name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given Him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Glory to God. I mean, what, what, a, great, what a great promise and, 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 what, and, and how encouraging that is for us, right? Now, now we know the rest of the story here. They, the people, the, the, uh, the rulers of the synagogue, I mean, you can imagine the buzz that this created. I mean, this, this was a miracle. This guy had been lame his whole life, and now he's walking and jumping and running up and down the court, the temple court, you know, and, and people are coming in to see this great miracle. And the, the religious people are like, man, we've got to get a hold on this. So they arrest Peter and John, and they take them in, and, and then they have this little meeting, and the leaders have this meeting, and they start asking, you know, what are we going to do? Because we can't deny the miracle because everybody saw it. So we know the miracle happened. So what are we going to do? So they come up and they say, well, if you look down in verse 10, um, you know, or in verse, chapter 4 and the first, 10, the first couple verses there, they arrest them and they bring them in and they threaten them and tell them, you know, they ask them, you know, by what authority, by what name are you doing all this in? And this was Peter's response. Look at verse number 8, chapter 4, verse 8. Verse 8 says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to all of you, to, to you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Peter looked at the religious people, the very people that crucified Jesus, and he says, he says, let me tell you what authority and power that this man is healed by. The one you killed, the one you crucified, is by his name and by his power that this man is standing here. And don't you know, boy, that was like a slap in their face. You know, so the Bible says, that if you go on and read the rest of that, well, and, and skip on down, look at verse number 12. Peter goes on to say this. He says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So Peter said this name, the faith in the name that raised this man up, is the same name that there's not another name in heaven given where men must be saved other than the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And then look at verse 13. This is a good verse too. Verse 13 said this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. And they, they realized, now listen to this, they realized that they had been with Jesus. So in other words, what they, what they deducted by all of this was this, what, whatever Jesus had rubbed off on them. 
And now they're doing, the, they're doing the very same things that Jesus did. Well, isn't that exactly what Jesus told him would happen? The works I do, you will do. And greater than these will you do because I go to the Father. So, so, they, so, uh, so, you know, they, so they take Peter and John. They threaten them. They tell them. They say, they say, listen, you are not to speak that name ever again. You are not to preach that name. You are not to talk about that name. Don't even let the name of Jesus come across your mouth. You know, and they threaten them. And they, they, everything that they can do, that's all they can do. They just threaten them. And then they release them. And actually, I think it says they even beat them. They, they whipped them, and then they released them. And the Bible says, then in, down in the end of chapter 4, the Bible says that they go to their own company, and they report what happened. So they start talking to, to, to the other disciples and the other people there, and they start talking about what happened to them, and, and they're, they're sharing all this stuff to them. And look at, look at verse number 29. Now, after they, after they described all this to them, they went to their own company, and they were, they were sharing what happened. They start to pray. And listen to, what this, listen to what, how they pray. In verse 29, they said this, Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness that they may speak your word. Remember, the threat against them was, You are not to speak the name of Jesus ever again. Do not preach in the name of Jesus. Do not, do not talk to people about Jesus. Their prayer was, God, give us more boldness so we can speak your word boldly. You know, they didn't back down. They wanted to speak the word boldly. But now look at verse 30. This is interesting. They said, you know, give us boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So what the very prayer they prayed was this, or the very thought that they had here was this. We understand that this guy was healed through the name of Jesus. So our prayer is, God, give us more boldness so we can go out and preach the name of Jesus even stronger and that miracles, more miracles, signs and wonders will be done through the name of Jesus. So much of the time, we, we, pray, we pray for the anointing, we pray for power, we pray for this, that, and the other. Their prayer was, God, stretch forth your hand to heal so that, and because we understand that, that it's through the name of Jesus that that's going to happen. Wow. And then, and then look at what happened in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. Chapter 5. Now, this is interesting. Chapter 5. You know, you, we're just going to walk through here a, a couple of chapters in, in uh, Acts and just show you a couple of things. In chapter 5, uh, you know, you have, you have power in the church. You know, they're, they're talking about this. The apostles get arrested again, and, uh, and some of them get arrested, and, and they, they beat them. And, and this is where in verse 17, in Acts chapter 5, verse 17, um, it says in verse. It says that they rose up. That the high priest rose up, and and those that were with him, and it says they were filled with indignation because of what the because here Peter and John and all the, the the disciples were out preaching again. So you know they directly disobeyed what the the government told them to do. The religious people. So they were filled with anger, and it says they laid hands on them in verse eighteen. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in in the common prison. 
But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now, isn't that so? they get put in prison and then an angel goes and opens the door and lets them out. And says, and, and the angel didn't say, now run and hide so they don't arrest you again. What did the angel say? Go back out into the middle of the temple and start preaching again. <laughs> and when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and they taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together. And, and they sent to the prison to have them brought. And when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely, the guards standing outside but the, outside the doors, but we opened them and we found no one inside. <laughs> now when the high priest heard this, the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. So one came and told them, saying, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. So the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people that they would be stoned, lest they would be stoned. And when, when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest and asked, now listen to this, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? So what were they teaching in the temple? They were teaching about the name of Jesus. Because the first question they asked is this, did we not tell you specifically not to say that name? Not to teach in that name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Peter and Peter, but Peter and the other apostles answered and says, we ought to obey God rather than man. But notice, notice what he said. He said, did we not strictly tell you not to preach in this name? So we, we see here that as soon as they were released from prison, they went back out preaching the name of Jesus. Turn to chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. I'm just showing you a couple, a couple things. The reason, I, I, the reason I want you to see this is because I want you to, to understand that the, that the disciples in the book of Acts, because really the book of Acts, you know, we understand that the book of Acts is the, the early church. It was, and, and these guys, you know, they didn't have a Bible like we do to preach. What they had was their experiences with Jesus. And they had the words that they heard him speak. And, and so they were, they were just teaching and preaching what they had heard Jesus teach and preach. And what he told them to do. So, so what was it that he, he must have been very, Jesus must have been very specific with them, telling them, you teach in my name. You show them my name. You teach, tell them about my name. There's power in my name. Here in Acts chapter 9, this is when, uh, Acts chapter 9 is when Saul uh, is on the road to Damascus, and he gets, uh, you know, God, Jesus shows up and knocks Saul off his donkey and changes, names, changes his name to, uh, to Paul, and, and, you know, and then Paul starts his ministry to, uh, you know, and starts, you know, here at the end, he starts preaching and, and uh, teaching, you know, in different places. And then Barnabas uh, brings, brings Paul up to meet the disciples. And let's look and see what, what Barnabas said about Paul. Notice this in, in uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 26. And when Saul had came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. So, I mean, and you could imagine, I mean, if somebody were out here uh, killing all the Christians and then next week they show up at your church, you're probably not going to open the door for them. 
You know, that's what they did. They're like, you're, you know, we know who you are. You know, we're not going to, you're not a disciple. You're here to, you know, to trick us, to, to try to arrest us. But notice what, verse 27, notice what Barnabas does. It says, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly. Now listen to this. How he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So what was it after Paul had that, after Paul had that encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus? What was it that he preached? He preached Jesus. The name of Jesus. It says, that, it says that Barnabas told him, he said, listen, man, you should have seen him preaching the name of Jesus in, in Damascus there. And because of Barnabas, and it says, uh, verse 28, he goes on to say, and so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he, verse 29 says, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed among the Hellenists, and, but they attempted to kill him. So notice that he spoke boldly in the name of Jesus. So even Paul, when he started his, when Paul started his uh, ministry, what was it he preached? In the name of Jesus. He preached the name of Jesus. Look at, uh, let's look at chapter 8. I, I passed this one up. I'm sorry. Chapter 8. Now this is Philip. Uh, this was interesting here. This is where, uh, this, this was actually before, before Saul was, uh, before Saul had that encounter there. The Bible says that he was persecuting the church, and uh, and it kind of scattered the church. And Philip goes down. Philip goes down to Samaria and starts preaching Christ to them. And let's read here. We'll pick up in Acts chapter eight, verse five, and we'll just read a couple of verses here. Acts chapter eight, verse five says, "Then Peter went down to the city of Samaria, preached Christ to them. The multitudes, with one accord, heeded the things by, uh, spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles that he did." For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame was healed. And there was great joy in the city. So it says that he preached Christ to them, but if you look down, look down at verse number 12, we'll see what he preached. In verse number 12, it says this. Um, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, and the name of Jesus Christ. He preached the things concerning the kingdom and the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. So see, time and time and time again, when we see the apostles, we see the, the you know, Philip, we see, we see Saul, we see all these different people in the book of Acts, and the message they preached was the power in the name of Jesus. Amen. One last. Let's look at uh, chapter 19. Now let me show you this because this is an important one here. Because who has, let me ask this question, who has the right to use the name of Jesus? Believers, right? We've seen that in a couple of different places where it said, those that believe, these signs shall follow. If you're a believer, you have the right to use the name. But listen, the name of Jesus is not like a uh, rabbit's foot or a good luck charm. Or something that you can just throw around and it work automatically. Because here in Acts chapter 19, we have the story of the seven sons of Sceva. If you remember, if you remember this story. And this story, notice this, and we'll just pick up reading here in Acts chapter 19, and we'll just pick up in verse 11. 
Now it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. So Paul, he could even take a, a, a do-rag or a handkerchief or something that he had on him while he was preaching and give it to people, and they'd take it and lay it on the sick or lay it on the demon-possessed, and they were healed and set free. Man, that's powerful. I mean, that's, that's some power there. But then notice this. It says, So, so some, of the iten- or some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we, ex- we, we exercise you to, or by Jesus whom Paul preaches. So notice, they did not have a relationship with Jesus. They had just heard... Now, you know, now why would they say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches? Because evidently they had seen Paul use the name of Jesus. Evidently... When, when Paul was ministering to people, he would lay hands on people and say, in the name of Jesus, come out, or in the name of Jesus, be healed. So here are these exorcists, these, these people that, are, that, that you know, uh, these were, were worldly uh, people that used demonic spirits to, to uh, you know, to trick people and to make money and different things like that. So they're used to dealing with, with the demonic. They say, Man, what Paul's doing is pretty powerful. He's using his name Jesus, so let's use the name of Jesus. And let's, you know, we can make money off of this. So they say, you know, by the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. That's how they, they started doing this. In verse 14 it says this, and, they, and there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. So here are these, these evil people that had no relationship with Jesus or did not know him, they were not believers in Jesus. They just heard Paul and saw Paul use the name of Jesus. So they just started saying, you know, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, come out. You know, and notice what happened. Now this probably flipped them out. Verse 15 says this, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> You know, that would, that would be something, wouldn't it? So here are these seven, these seven brothers get around this demon-possessed guy, and they're like, in the name of Jesus, come out. And this, this one guy looks at him and says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who do you think you are? And then the next verse says this, Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. One demonic guy beat up seven brothers, stripped their clothes off, wounded them, and they ran out of the house naked and, and beaten up. And you might say, man, that was a powerful demon. But you know what? If they had had a relationship with Jesus and they knew the name of Jesus, they could have cast that demon out and it wouldn't have been any problem. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, Look at, um, turn back with me to John chapter 17, because this is interesting. John chapter 17, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm getting ready to tie, these, tie it all this up and see if we can get it to come together here. John chapter 17. So as I was, as I was studying this and just, um, you know, looking, looking through this, and, and, and you know, because one thing we find, one thing that when you go through the, when you go through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
which is the account of Jesus' life and his ministry, um, you don't see, you don't see uh, either Jesus or the disciples, really. The only time that I could really find um, as a definite time was when, like I said earlier, when Jesus commissioned the 70 to go, and when they came back, they said, they said, even the demons obey us in your name. But really, other than that, you don't see the disciples using the name of Jesus in, in the Gospels because Jesus was still with them. You know, he was with them on the earth. He, he was walking with them. He was teaching them and showing them things. But you don't really see them using the name of Jesus. And when, G, when Jesus was praying, this, this scripture in John 17 is a scripture that Jesus is praying for his disciples and is a prayer that he's praying, he's, he's praying for us as well. But here in John 17, he says a couple things that are, that are interesting. I want you to see this. Look at, uh, we'll just start reading in verse 1 here. Jesus spoke these words, as Jesus spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, so this is Jesus praying. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. Now remember, this is Jesus praying to his Father. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work with which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Now look at verse 6. This is interesting. He says, I have manifested your name. So Jesus says, you know, I've manifested your name, the great I am, the name. You know, all throughout the Old Testament, and this is interesting, all throughout the Old Testament, you remember we did a whole series on this, all throughout the Old Testament, God, was, God introduced himself by his names. You know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkin. I mean, you know, there was all those names. We went through about 12 of those names. And, and you know, when Jesus wanted to introduce a new aspect of himself or a, a new dimension of who he was, he would show them his name. He would give them another name. So Jesus here, as he was praying, he said this. He says, I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. And there he was talking about his disciples, and I believe he was even talking about, you know, he could be even talking about us there. But notice how he said, he says, I have manifested your name to them. So Jesus was saying, while I was here, it was all about your name. You know, it was your name. It was your name. And then if you skip on down like to verse 11, you can read all of this, but verse 11, he says this. Now, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Um, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. So notice Jesus said he kept them through the Father's name. And he says, those, those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, talking about uh, Judas, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But he says, now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may 
that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. But I wanted you to see that Jesus said this. He said, he said while I was with them, I kept them through your name. But then when you go back to like what we studied last week and we see how that when Jesus died on the cross and he was crucified, he went to hell, God raised him up, he, he offered his blood as the, holy of, the, the heavenly holy of holies, he inherited the name of Jesus, he inherited the name above every name. Remember in Philippians it says that, if the, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. God gave him that name. He inherited that name. God gave him that name, and he got it by conquest. He defeated Satan and took the power, the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So, so now when Jesus goes to heaven and, and he says, I finished my course, you know, I've, I've finished what you've called me to do, then he told them as he was leaving, he told them, he said, those who believe in my name, now there's, you're going to do these things. So Jesus said, while I was on the earth, I kept them through the Father's name. Now now that I go back to the Father, it's my name that there's power. And all throughout Acts, we see time and time and time again how every time we see what the, what the disciples were preaching, it was the name of Jesus. They, I believe the disciples knew where the power came from. And it wasn't in themselves. It wasn't because they, they followed Jesus for three and a half years is because they got the understanding and they knew that they had the power and the authority to use the name of Jesus. It's the same power and authority that He's given to all of us. Turn to Proverbs 18. Let me show you this one scripture and, I'll, and we're going to finish. Proverbs chapter 18. And this is, I mean, I, I, hope, I hope you're really getting this because, I mean, because as a believer, you have the power and the authority to use His name. All these miracles that we saw, everything we just read about in Acts where, you know, people were being saved and healed and, and, and demons casting out and, and, I mean, just time and time and time again, everything that he said, it was because of faith in the name of Jesus. And if you put faith, if you believe that the name of Jesus has the power behind it, everything that we've talked about and everything that the Word says, if you have faith in that name, that same power lives on the inside of you. And when you speak the name of Jesus, the very same thing will happen to you and for you that happened to the disciples and the apostles. Now check this out. This, I love this verse in, in chapter 18, verse 10. It says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Now listen, the, the, King, James, the King James says it this way. The New King James just says, They run to it and are saved. But put the King James up. Let me see. Let me see what the what the King James says on that. Is that the King? Or is that the King? Is that the King James or New King James? Yeah, the the King James says this. Look, notice this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. Listen, the name of the Lord, the name Jesus, encapsulates everything that He is. It's more than just a name. It's more than, it's more than just you know, something to identify Him with. The name of Jesus is everything that He is. And the Scripture says that we can, run, we can run into the name and be safe. 
Now, what does that mean? What, of course, and this is Old Testament. This is Solomon. You know, and and you know, so so Solomon wasn't a he wasn't a, a believer like you and I are. I mean, but but he had the Spirit of God come upon him as he wrote these things. But but now listen, here's what I believe that means, and this is this is Stephenology, if you want to call it that or whatever. But but here's what I believe that means. I believe it means this. I believe that that when we put faith in Jesus, and and we know that this happens. We know that when we become Christians, when we put faith in the in the name of Jesus, that we get put in Christ. We get engrafted into the body. The Bible says that that you know the old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We we get put in Christ. And the Scripture tells us that that you know from God's perspective, when when Jesus died on the cross and when He went to hell and when He was raised again, we were inside of Him. He did that. He did that as 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 our uh, substitute. He he took everything upon Himself that we deserved, and He gave us everything that He deserved. Amen. And so, so he put us, so God put us in, he hit, the Bible says he hides us in Christ. So when we put faith in the name, what happens is that all of a sudden now is not just you and I speaking. Because now we're in Christ. When we, when you are a believer, here's, here's, I mean, I, you know, this is the picture that I get. I mean, I don't know whether this will come across like I wanted to or not. But here's, you know, it's almost like, uh, it's almost like you, we get put in Christ and then even as we speak, His voice comes out. So see, so when we say in Jesus' name, it's almost like, it's almost just like the, the, the sickness and the demons and, and the circumstances, whatever it is that you want to, you know, talk about. I mean, whatever it is you're facing, those things, they hear Jesus' voice. Because see, the power is in faith in the name. It's not in it's not in you yourself. It's not in in you know what your background is. And you might say, well, man, you don't know. I've done so many bad things wrong. Listen, if it doesn't matter, just like God can change you just like that. Just, I mean, just when you when you call on the name of Jesus, all of a sudden everything changes. That weight gets lifted. Those burdens get removed at the name of Jesus. There's no, other, there's no other name under heaven that men must be saved. And it's at that name, in Philippians it tells us, it's at that name of Jesus that everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth must bow their knee. Hallelujah. So this morning, listen, what I want you to get out of this this morning is this. I want you to understand... That, see, because, because you can be like the seven sons of Sceva and you can just say the name of Jesus without any faith, without any, without any belief whatsoever, and, and, you know, it not do anything. Now, for them, of course, it backfired on them because that demon-possessed guy jumped on them. But for you and I, if we, if we say the name of Jesus without faith, it's just like it falls powerless. There, like I said, just because, you know, we, we know... That there's no power in just in the letters J E S U S. You put those letters together and it says Jesus. There's no power just in that name. I mean, there's millions of people called you know Jesus. You know that's got that same spelling. 
There's no power itself in that name. But when you put faith in that name, and you put faith in the fact of what, and you believe what Jesus did for you, and you believe that Jesus gave you authority to use His name, the power of attorney, you know, even, for example, I mean, I'll use me and Stacy. You know, when, when Stacy and I got married uh, back in 1994, got married in the 1900s, you know, makes it sound old, doesn't it? <laughs> back in the 1900s, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but we, you know, Stacy and I got married. And when we got married, she took, she took my last name. And she changed her name. She was no longer Stacy Willis. Now she was Stacy Braswell. Stacy Willis Braswell. But she added my name to her name. Now listen, you anybody in here could take a check. You could you could get a check out of out of Stacy's checkbook and, and out of her purse, and you could sign, you know, you could sign that name. And you could take it to the bank and they may even cash it. But, but if we reported that somebody stole a check and, you know, and they find out who did it, they find out you did it and you signed her name, you forged her name because you didn't have the authority to do that, you could end up in jail, right? Because you forged the name that you didn't have the authority to, to write that. The only people that have the authority to get money out of our account is me and Stacy. We're the only ones that are on our account. Anybody else that tries to take money out of our, our account is forgery. I got a phone call the other day. I was sitting at the house and, and my phone rings and, and it was Founders, you know, calling me. And I was thinking, I wonder what Founders are calling me for. And, you know, I answered the phone and the guy says, Mr. Braswell. And I said, yeah. He said, uh, he said we, we've got a couple fraudulent checks that have been written on your account. And I'm thinking, oh boy, you know, here we go. You know, I was like, I wonder how that happened. And and he told me what the amounts were, and I said, well, I, I said, well, we wrote those checks. You know, those aren't fraudulent. And he said, he said, well, okay. He said, well, he said, what happened was this. And he said, we just, he said, now that you told me that they're valid, he said, we, we'll, we'll let them go through and there won't be a problem. But what happened, we had ordered new checks, and it had the wrong account number on it. They, they, they had put two fours instead of two threes somehow or another. So it had the wrong account number on the bottom. So so when founders ran it, it flagged it, and they thought that it might be fraudulent checks, like somebody had printed some checks and tried to use our account with it, you know. So, so luckily, I mean, they, they caught that, and we told them it was, you know, we got it all figured out, and it wasn't no problem. But, but you know, but they, they, they called me alerting me that there was, they thought somebody may be trying to take money out of our account illegally. But see, here's what happens. For you and I, for you and I, as Christians, as believers, we can sign the name of Jesus and it not be fraudulent. Because we have authority to use that name. Now, those seven sons of Sceva, they signed the name of Jesus and it was fraudulent. And there was no power there. For believers, if you are a believer, we can use the name of Jesus in our circumstances, in our life, in every area, over our family, whatever the case may be. And listen, and when we use the name of Jesus... It is a valid, and it, it is it is valid, and it is just as if Jesus Himself signed it. Why? Because we are in Christ. 
We've ran to the, the, to the strong tower, and we are in Him. So see, when we put... And now listen, now, Stacy never... She does, you know, every time she signs a check, we don't write many checks anymore. Everything's digital. But when she signs a check, she doesn't worry. She doesn't think, oh no, I sure hope nobody catches this. You know, I, I don't know whether I have the right to use that, that Braswell name. You know, she doesn't do that. Why? Because that name is hers. She has it legally. She never worries about if she signs it, if somebody's going to tell her it's, that she doesn't have the right to use it. Why? Because she legally, her name is Braswell. And so she can, she can you know, take any amount of, out of our checking account, out of anything we have. It's hers because she has the right, right? She has the legal right to do that. You and I have the legal right for everything in this book. We have the legal right to use the name of Jesus. And my question is this, that story that I opened up with about that lady that had that, that picture or that document on her wall, she didn't know what it was, but she just thought it was special because that woman she served all those years had signed it and, and she cherished it. All the while, that, that document gave her something that could have saved her life. She didn't have to be malnourished. She didn't have to live in a little run-down shack. She had a big mansion. She had, she had a bank account waiting for her if she had only known what she had. How many Christians are living way below the way God wants them to live simply because they don't have faith in the name of Jesus? They don't know that the name of Jesus is theirs. They don't know that that power that's behind the name of Jesus will work for them. Because as a believer, we have a right to use His name. Amen? So, study this. Go, take these scriptures. Read these. Go through, go through it yourself and, and find and see, see where, where the power of the name of Jesus comes from. And, and meditate on it. Because if... if, if because I'm telling you, the more I meditated on this and the more I saw this, the more I'm convinced that when I speak, when I speak the name of Jesus, all hell trembles. Come on. I mean, you know, they have no answer for the name of Jesus. Because when we say Jesus, when we, say, when we speak that name, it's everything He is comes out in one word. Jesus. Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Well, Father, I pray that, that we all, that everyone here gets this revelation, Father, of the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that, that even as we speak this, even as we, even as we have declared this and shared these scriptures, Lord, I pray that that, that we all get a deeper revelation of what that name will do for us, how that name will, will set us free and deliver us and, and, and those around us and our family. And Father, my prayer this morning is just simply this, is that, that, that every person here, that every time that that word, that that, that, that that name comes out of their mouth, that they will realize the power that's behind it that we will all put faith in exercising that name, knowing, knowing that we have the right and the authority and the power and the ability to use that name 
And it's just as if Jesus himself was saying it. Thank you for that revelation this morning, Father. Oh, we bless you. So now, with every head.